I'm Jeff Stormer, and I host Party of One, an actual play podcast focused on two-player role-playing experiences. Every week, I sit down with my friends, we play a two-player game, we share a few laughs, maybe a few tears, and a really good time. We aim to explore a variety of games, playstyles, and emotional experiences that are often overlooked in the tabletop hobby. New episodes drop every Tuesday. Check us out at partyofonepodcast.com. Hi, I'm DM Mitch. And I'm DM Neil. And we're from the Dungeon Masters block. Are you running an RPG and can't think of what to do next? Then give us a listen, and hopefully we can help you through that Dungeon Masters block. Our main focus is to discuss storytelling, world building, and the art of dungeon mastering. So head on over to blockpartypodcastnetwork.com and find out everything you need to know about the Dungeon Masters block and keep on dungeon mastering. The world is a clock full of 11 million people living at the mercy of a broken sun ever since the emergency. The Church of Gov tries to hide the sun's slow death, but not everyone is fooled by dogma. Heretics seek the truth, and four young heroes uncover a secret history. Splinters of a Broken Sun takes place in an original setting and features a diverse cast of wonderful players. Hello, and welcome to a very special episode of I Am Here, celebrating International Podcast Month. I am your host, Jeff Stormer, and I am from the show's Party of One and All My Fantasy Children. Party of One is a, an actual play podcast focused on two-player role-playing experiences. You can find that at partyofonepodcast.com. And All My Fantasy Children is a character creation, storytelling, and world-building podcast powered by listener prompts. You can find that at allmyfantasychildren.com. Podcasters from around the RPG community have banded together to create a series of one-shot games for International Podcasting Month to promote diverse and inclusive gaming and celebrate the hard work that we do as podcasters. Today's game is Worldwide Wrestling created by Nathan DiPoletta. Joining me for the game are Arp from Splinters of a Broken Sun. Hey everybody, I'm Arp. Sometimes I go by Matt. My podcast is Splinters of a Broken Sun. It's a game where fantasy players figure out eventually that they're actually in a sci-fi world. You can also find my Let's Plays on YouTube slash Ycaliber. Taylor Labresh from Riverhouse Games. Hello, friends and enemies. I, I make Game Closet, uh, which is a informal chat show with all sorts of amazing queer and LGBT plus tabletop role players. Uh, and I also write games on Riverhouse.com. You can find them all there. And Neil Powell from uh, the DMnastics podcast, Well, the Young Justice Files, and about a million other things. Neil? True. Too many irons, too many fires. If I run out of fires, I make another one. And most of the stuff you can honestly go check out at blockpartypodcastnetwork.com or if you go to crashingthemode.com, that'll get you to the Dungeon Masters block and Whelm. And like I said, you'll probably find everything I do between those two sites. Fantastic. Well, we have done our character creation off screen. We have everything ready to go. Is everyone ready to do some wrestling? I am ready to wrestle, Jeff. Yes. I am prepared to rumble. Uh, okay, well, then with that in mind... Somewhere in the past, somewhere in America, a TV clicks on, and through the static, we hear... You're watching UHF 69, public access television, serving Hickenbottom, Runnels, and Callaway counties. The screen goes dark. Loud, abrasive keyboard music starts playing in the background. Lights hit. A middle school gymnasium. Warren G. Harding, middle school gymnasium. The music hits its crescendo as a, a sweaty man in a tuxedo becomes visible and says, 
Ladies, gentlemen, and non-binary individuals coming to you live from the Reynolds County Combatatorium. I am Magna Mango, your ring announcer, welcoming you to another thrilling installment of International Powerhouse Wrestling. This is IPW. There's about 14. There's 14 people in the audience. IPW. 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 Are you ready for the biggest, the baddest, the brawlingest sports entertainment television on tel- on TV today between the hours of 2 and 4 a.m. Wednesday mornings? That's IPW. But first, let's introduce our commentary team. First, our play-by-play commentator. You know him. You love him. The sweet, dulcet tones of IPW from Chuck Manwich. Chuck Manwich is a real tweedy looking, like he's wearing like a tweed jacket glasses that are about two sizes too big he's got the world's biggest headset on and he's just like the most studio he looks like he's never been excited in his life <laughs> um i could i could do chuck manwich all right give me chuck manwich so then and then it was just just so i can fully soak in the hilarity i was introduced by magnum mango just so i'm magnum clear mango our ring announcer okay <laughs> Uh, okay. Trying to think. I'm, this is the hardest part. And I told, I told you last time, I am trying not to be too excited because I've now chosen two characters who are not excited. (laughs) (laughs) And it is by far the hardest part. So here we go. He'll just, you can, you can see that he looks frustrated. So he's like, um, thank you, Magnum. Um, I, yep, I'm here. I'm, I'm ready. As ready as I will ever be. Introducing next, our color commentator. You've heard his voice on 1040 AM radio. He is Dredrick the Marmot Mangrove. Uh, I would love to call dibs on, what what is his name? Dredrick? Dredrick, <laughs> Dredrick the Marmot Mangrove. <laughs> well, coming to you straight on the lines from the FM radio, this is Dredrick the Marmot Mangrove, and we are here at IPW Wrestling Tour, just a jam-packed night of awesome slimes and slams. Yep, we're going to come to you and bring all the energy that you've expected from that AM FM radio, and we're going to bring it down Marmot style. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even want to know what Marmot style is. <laughs> <laughs> and last but not least, our special guest commentator for the week. He is the barbecue king of Hickenbottom County. Oh. Brother Buford Biscuit. Well, hi there. I'm Brother Buford Biscuit. Uh, just want to make sure that y'all check out our barbecue every day, except Sundays. On Sundays, we do broiling instead of barbecues. So, so make sure. Y- y- I was told. I was told there was going to be advertisement. Also, some water. My throat is. Could I get some? I need. I need the good water. The Perrier. That's the Perrier. I need the. Okay. Now, Brother Buford, you've got a real heat on your barbecue, don't you? Uh, yes, we keep the barbecues at the optimal temperature to make sure that the meat is properly broiled by the open flames and, of course, propane. Now, you won't mind me saying that, but that sounds hot. Yes, uh, as I said, it, it has to be hot so that it will meet the approval of the FDA. Uh, otherwise, we could get in trouble. 
uh, you know, we had some issues with food being too rare before, so we had to make sure that the temperature was high. Oh, boy, it's it's real hot under these lights. Can can somebody uh, get me that water, please? Buf- Buford, do you mind actually telling people how hot? I mean, I feel like it's important. It's really ambiguous right now. The the actual require the temperature of the barbecue. Yes. For optimal grilling of the steaks. Well, we keep ours at 500 degrees Fahrenheit because that is that is the optimal temperature. Now that's sizzling. Well, yes, we do. We do have some sizzle uh, sound as well, but we, we try to avoid having too much of the fat drip off. We like to keep it on. Our customers are big fans of of that of the grease there, so we we don't want it to sizzle too much. Ah, oh, good. I I have it written down now. It's also two hundred sixty degrees Celsius for all those who are interested. Yeah, all, all right. Uh, I don't I don't cotton much to those foreign measurements. Seems un-American to me. But I suppose if you want to reach a wider audience. And bring them all in to to Buford's barbecue house. Then uh, absolutely, it is that number. In the did you say it was Celsius? Celsius, close. We're, all right. we're, yes, I have. I'll give you. I'll give you my notes. I, I much appreciated uh, the the notes. Marmot, where? What? What station can we find you on? Well, I'm real glad you asked, mister, because you can tune into your local radio station and pick up the marmot on KRZL, Kresel Radio. And now, for our first match, uh, we cut first to a pre-made, a pre-recorded video segment introducing our first match. Neil, tell us, tell us who we see, and tell us where we see your wrestler. Introduce us to your wrestler, tell us what they look like, and where we see them as they prep for their match, and then describe the match they are having this week. Your signature match. Oh, I am I am so excited. So you pan out into this area of the school that's clearly the most wooded area. I mean, you definitely, some liberal air quotes on anything I've just said, and you find wild man Bill Bridger, a seven foot five Beast of a man, wild hair, unkempt beard, covered in furs, hailing from Dead Horse, Alaska. And you actually see him sharpening the, it's not really blade, but essentially sharpening a shovel, which is extremely disturbing. And he begins to dig a grave as he looks at the camera and essentially says, Chops, this grave is for you. Win, lose, draw, you're going in. And it'll cut to, like you said, the signature match for Wildman, which is a Frontiersman match. So instead of a, a Lumberjack match, as some may know, people stand on the outside of the ring. But no, no, no. They're on the edge of the ring. And if you get too close, you're getting held, you're getting punched. Who knows what mm-hmm. else? And so mm-hmm, we can mm-hmm, cut mm-hmm. straight to the match, the grudge match, if you will, between Wildman Bill Bridger and Chops McKenzie because Chops stole my axe. Yes, we see it. We, we cut to after your promo, we cut to like a backstage or last time on video package where we see that Chops McKenzie, who is like not 
there's no reason for him to have stolen the axe. He they call him Chops McKenzie because he does a lot of like knife edge, like karate chops. He's kind of got a surfer aesthetic, sort of like a like a like a martial artist beach aesthetic. He says he's a master of like the way of the sand and surf. He is king of sand and surf, Chops McKenzie. But he stole your axe. Like he took your axe because he needed to. I don't know. He like gave a whole rambling promo, and we get like a clip of him like swinging the axe around, being like, "Yeah, look, Chops McKenzie's as cool as it gets. Watch, chop, chop." And the crowd is like booing. Is like, well, I guess you're a heel, so the crowd's probably cheering. Like they finally got one up on old Wild Man. Yeah, yeah, chop, chop, chops. And he's like chugging a beer. He's just like a cool surfer dude. And they're like, Chops McKenzie finally took away Wild Man's axe. The terror of IPW has been put to rest. But now, Wild Man has set his sights on the young, the da- the dapper, the handsome, the cool, the stylin', the hippest cat in IPW Chops McKenzie in a Frontiersman match. If anybody gets close to the ropes, they're gonna get the frontier beaten out of them. <laughs> that so good. We come back to the ring. And, do, like, a dozen wrestlers have just, like, pushed their way. Like, they're all standing on the apron, and there's something that I want to emphasize about a Frontiersman match. No one in the crowd can see what's happening in the <laughs> ring now. <laughs> like, people are, like, wrestlers are, like, being conscientious and trying to, like, step out of the way and be like, okay, but you know, this is what's happening. And the crowd's just like, but I can't sit. I can't. Hey, move! Get out of the way! And it's like, it's just a mess. It's just a mess of a situation. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Uh, Chops McKenzie. Oh, by the way, um, actually, before we start the match proper, Neil, why don't you make a promo roll? So you're going to roll 2d6 and add your look. So I got six, because I have zero look. All right, which means uh, the crowd... So we cut back from your promo, and the crowd is a nonplussed. The crowd is not amused. Okay. Um, yeah. So, uh, the match begins, right? Like, Mackenzie's in the ring, he's swinging the axe around, and backstage, promoter Tech Scrapple pulls you aside and says, Tech Scrapple is wearing a large cowboy hat, thick sunglasses, a, like, neon red kind of anchorman suit. Oh. And, like, a bolo tie. <laughs> and has a big cigar in his mouth. And he pulls you aside and says, Bridger, Bridger, listen to me. Here's the deal. We can't give you... We can't... You're not going to get the axe back. I no. know, I know, but, like, we got other plans. We're not giving you the axe back. Not this time. Chops, he's really taken off with this Chops thing, like swinging the axe around. It's really blowing up. We're going to start selling like novelty toy axes. The sponsors do not like people swinging around real axes. We're going to get them a plastic axe, but like I understand. Just know we're, we can't give you the axe back this week. I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, well, then what am, what am I supposed to do? It, it's what I it, I drug it in behind me. I don't I don't know. I, you, you got like, look, I... I I trust. Here's the thing. I trust you. You're a great performer. I think you're gonna figure it out. All right. Does that sound? I, I trust you. I'm putting my faith in you, wild man. Okay. Now get out there 
and lose with honor and dignity. And he shoves you and he shoves you out through the curtain. <laughs> Describe your entrance to me. So as an alternative, I'm like, fine. And then I just essentially do the 100% exact same thing I would normally do. And I just have a sharpened shovel instead. Right. <laughs> no doubt to the frustration <laughs> of management. Good. So describe your entrance to us. So the lights turn down as well as they can. It would probably take 20 minutes for them to turn back up. But I drag a shovel behind me and the people that are kind of supportive of me let out these weird animal cries. But unfortunately, (laughs) like I don't have enough popularity. So no one's together. So I kind of let out like this bear like roar. And then it's kind (laughs) of weird bird calls back towards me and I and I just like muster all the professionalism I have and don't shake my head at that time and just slowly drag the shovel out never taking my eyes off of Chops who I think is already in the ring yes Chops is already in the ring surfer music has been playing I think that if I can add a detail, I think oh, yeah. that the surfer music is continuing as you just start like oh. overpowering it with various animal calls. Yes, and <laughs> as I, as I'm going to get on the apron and then kind of like lift my lift the shovel over my head and let out another roar, and everyone that's set up to come out back runs from out from behind the stage and jumps onto the apron, and then I yep. jump into the ring. All right, that's out. All right. And with that, like Chop slides the axe to the corner, and our first match is underway. So uh, here's a little bit. We're going to peel back the curtain a little bit and talk a little bit about mechanics so that the listeners at home can understand and so that Taylor and Arp can understand like how we're all going to be playing a part in, in scenes that we're not involved in. The first way that you can be involved is each of you has a certain amount of momentum to start off the match. It's based on your audience score. It tells you how much momentum you have at the start of the game. Uh, one thing that you can use for that momentum is you can interrupt any match. You can have your person show up on the apron. You can have them sit at commentary. You can have them rush the ring. Whatever. Uh, it's my job as creative to make it seem like whatever you throw at me, I had planned all along. Okay. The other way is we have a commentary team with three people in it. And there are three of us. So as this is happening, as Neil and I are describing our actions, we will be piping in as commentary. And actually, we have an ability that once per match, one of us can, as commentary, bump something up from a 6-, minus, which is a botch. Botches are very bad. That means that something has gone wrong in the ring or backstage, and like the show looks bad as a result. Uh, you can bump that to a 7-9, to nine, which is a mixed success. Or you can bump a 7-9 to nine result to a 10+. So basically, good commentary can save a bad role. We get that once per match. We can, Whoever wants to use it can decide to use it. Does that make sense to everybody? Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. So with that underway, um, Wildman, you start with control of the match. Tell me what happens first. So as he throws the axe down, I drop the shovel behind me and rush him before Chops can realize that the match essentially has started. Mm, good. Um, so what happens next? Like you've, you've rushed him. Are what kind? How are you beating him down? Right, like I don't. You've caught him off guard. How are you beating him down? Are you like slamming him with like difficult and dangerous wrestling maneuvers? Are you putting your opponent at legit risk with your physical strength? 
Are you hitting your signature moves and, and being the wi- and embodying the wild man? Or are you like building off of your shared history together? I think the significant risk with the physical nature of the wild man, because one of the biggest things to not do is get involved with the people on the apron. I was also thinking okay. as part of the frontiersman match, if you were to knock someone off of the apron, they don't, they aren't allowed to get back on oh, okay. so that over time, maybe people can actually see. Yes. All right. So you're going to make a wrestling move and you're going to roll plus power. So you're going to look on your character sheet, find the power stat. Roll 2d6 and add that stat to your roll. So I got an 8. On an, on a 7 to 9, you hit it pretty well. Choose one. You can retain control of the match, transition to the next sequence, or give a po- or give your opponent, that's me, control of the match, and gain one momentum. Ooh. I will give Chops control and gain one momentum. Uh, what does that look... So, so describe your power maneuvers and describe how Chops takes control. So I essentially want to just push him. But again, that's all. I I don't have very much skill. I just have strength. Mm-hmm. So chops and as because we all know this game is so ridiculous. Chops puts way too much suntan lotion on, so mm-hmm. I don't actually yep. get a very good hold, and I kind of slip off of him, <laughs> and he throws me towards some of the people on the apron. Yep, and one of them like catches you with an elbow to the chin. Uh. Scrawny Mark Strong catches you with an elbow oh, to the so chin, good. and you just come tumbling back. And it looks like the wild man's taking the first beating as he comes in strong, but then gets slimed right off. Oh, that hurt. Oh boy, he's getting greased up better than a plate of pulled pork. Now, speaking of pulled pork, we do <laughs> offer that as a special on Wednesdays. Wednesdays are pulled pork days down at Buford's Barbecue Bin. Uh, it does look like they appear to be sharing... A bit of a beef with each other. And, of course, beef is available uh, all days of the week. Beef, a delightful wordplay, features from our barbecue guest commentator. Uh, and Chops, kind of like, you you tumble, you tumble back, and Chops gets you in the back knee with a running body block. So he runs, mm. he jumps, and, like, shoulder checks the back of your knee so you fall down, and then turns around and just... One big slap right alongside the face, and you get that red handprint right on your cheek. <laughs> and like the crowd, as much as they can see it, kind of pops, and they're like, "Hey, <laughs> I heard something." <laughs> he pauses and adjusts his sunglasses for a moment, and like hits a surfer pose, and then like goes to hit you with like a spinning kick. And uh, I'm gonna just ask you what happens next. I've given the raw strength. I'm going to go ahead and stop the kick and kind of lock up with chops. And I have the realization that no one can actually see. So I'll kind of give him the, like, we need to kind of throw each other off the ropes so that we can clear this out so that people can actually see what we're doing. Kind of talk real quick and then kind of break the lock, kind of toss him back towards some of the people on the apron. All right. I like it. I like it a lot. Um, give me another plus power. I got a ten. Oh, Woo! on a ten, on a ten plus, you hit it impressively well. Uh, retain you retain control of the match, so you're gonna tell us you're gonna tell us what happens and how, how it looks, and you're gonna get two momentum or one heat with your opponent. Ooh. Um. Wait. What if I go up to? What happens if I go all the way up to four momentum then? Uh, 
four, you can have as much momentum as you want. Mm-hmm. You can have as much momentum as you want. Uh, the thing that is good for momentum, especially against a non-player wrestler, is uh, when you're going to make your finish, which you know that you're not going to lose yeah. the match, but I'm still going to have you roll your finish. Mm-hmm. You get to, well, actually, what your book, your book to win the match, but chops is chops is still going to run off with your uh, with your axe. Okay, perfect. So, so you're gonna you're gonna roll your finish. Like at the end of the match, you'll roll your finish. You will. It's just a flat two d six, and then you can spend as much momentum as you want on that roll. Okay, perfect. So with the with the ten plus kind of situation, he agrees, but he doesn't realize quite what I'm about to do. But since I already have one leg and locked kind of near the shoulder. I actually just kind of pick him up and throw him at one of the sides, one of the ring sides and knock pretty much that entire side off oh, of yeah. the apron. Oh yeah. People go flying. Uh, Squish Piccadilly just lands like real painfully on their neck and like rolls through and you're like, oh, that did not look great. But, but they're like, you know, Squish's Squish is like real flexible like that. They're real they specialize in that kind of nasty looking bump. And uh you hit actually um Grappler and Grappler, the attorneys at WrestleLaw, both oh. just go flaw just just tumble and they start screaming about like injury suits and like half of that half of that ring is cleared up. What happens next? I'm gonna say that Chops is down for a little bit, you yep. know, and kind of playing up the toss and everything like that. I'm actually mad at the person that elbowed me in the face what was their name again uh that was scrawny marcus strong so scrawny marcus strong is going to get the full force of wild man bill bridger right now and i just let out this terrifying animalistic roar and just charge at him okay i I don't know if he's gonna stay there or not but that's what's coming uh, roll me, you're gonna, it sounds like you want to work real stiff. It sounds like you want to legit injure somebody in the ring. That guy I do, because he, because I'm feeling like he hit me right in the face harder than he should have, and now they're, I'm going back at him. Alright, uh, roll me plus real. So I got a seven. On a seven, uh, that sure is stiff. Pick one. You can injure your opponent, you can end this match in a no contest, or your opponent loses an audience. Scrawny Marcus Strong has one audience, so basically you're gonna you can you can choose to end his career. I can't say no to that, Jeff. Um, so I'm going to say yes to that. I'm going to unfortunately end the career of Scrawny. Uh, so what happens is you smash his face, and he hits the ground, and it's a bloody mess. And we have to like the camera has to real quick tilt up, and uh. Man, which is like, oh, scrawny Marcus Strong uh, uh, looks like he's uh, getting real feisty, getting carried off by security. Get medical people in here right now. Oh, that's oh, God. Uh, but let's go back to the ring. Looks like Chops is getting up. Well, actually, Chops is getting up, but you hear a shout from the, the top stands and just say, hey, I've seen monsters like you create hubbub and wreckage. And I didn't stand for it then, and I won't stand for it now. Um, and I would like Icarus to run in All right. uh, to this match. You're making a run-in move. Uh, yeah. On, so you're going to roll heat with Wild Man. Uh, what's your relationship like with Wild Man? 
backstage. Tell me about your backstage relationship with Wildman. How much heat do the two of you have together? Um, we have three heat, Jeff. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so at one point, Wildman was the maybe the the person who brought me into IPW, um, signing me when I was a, just a small young boy. Um, those ten years ago, and I remain unchanged in my looks. Uh, and uh, I think you know, Wildman tries to to do some mentoring. Um, kind of watches out for me backstage. Um, but we have kind of an onstage antagonistic relationship. Um, because I think that Wild Man is a little bit too monstrous, uh, for Icarus's tastes. Yep. And from a skills perspective, one on one, Icarus can essentially win because, or has the very real chance of winning because they're so much faster than the seven foot five monster. So. Uh, okay, so that's your relationship with each other. So how much heat do you... So you have three heat. You have three heat on the wild, man. So roll me plus heat. Roll your 2d6 and add three. I got a 14, Jeff. Woo-hoo. That's oh my. amazing. <laughs> uh, it's a hot angle. The crowd, like, Marcus Strong hits the ground and is, and like, I think, I think the camera, this is a work shoot situation. A work shoot is a term in wrestling where we're trying to make it look like it's not part of the show, even though it is. So this is like, you've broken script. You've injured this kid. Like, he was just a kid, and you've broken his nose. And Icarus is here to make the save. What What was your on-screen relationship like with Scrawny Marcus Strong? Icarus? Uh, I think that Give Scrawny... Give me a flashback. Yeah, so Scrawny, just in the same way that Icarus was brought into IPW, Scrawny was picked up off of the, the mean streets of this small town county life uh, by by a young man with golden golden shirt uh, and and light tan sandals uh, who who said kid I've seen your face before it looks like you might have flown too close to the sun and ended up in your own personal hell this small town but uh, there's a way that you can pick yourself back up and, and get to work what do you th- what do you know about wrestling um and then I think we cut now to to Icarus kind of standing, um, like maybe perched is a better word mm-hmm. on the like the middle school PA system, ho- standing on top of this this speaker, uh, like holding on to the the wire cabling and the chain that like is screwed into the ceiling, um, and then Icarus just literally swan dives down onto Wildman. Yeah, I love it. I love it, and the crowd is unbelievably hot. So, this is important. You've gained you gained plus 1 heat with Wildman, which means you have plus 4 heat with Wildman, which yeah. means the fact that the two of you are in the ring together. Icarus gain one audience. Hell yeah. <laughs> nice. Uh, and also choose an option from the 7 to 9 list. Are you going to attack them in the ring getting causing them to get DQ'd? Uh your interference does not change the match, but creative books the two of you in a match later in this episode. Or it does not change the result, but their opponents comes after you for interfering in their business. So, so uh, the the first option, the you attack them in the ring, resulting in their opponent getting DQ'd. That mm-hmm. would DQ Chops, right? Uh, chops would win the match by DQ. Or, no, uh, Wild Man would win the match by DQ. Okay. Um, I think I'm gonna do that. Where okay. like I just like roll and tussle, and we like struggle for a while. Um, yeah, and the the ref like 
the ref is like shouting and like screaming at both of us and we're just rolling around and like flipping and doing all this stuff. Um, Chops is nowhere to be seen. The the frontiersmen crawl out, but the axe is there in oh, the middle of I the think, ring. I actually I think um I think what happens to the axe, because we said that Wild Man doesn't get the axe back. Yeah. Well, unless you have some unless you have a cool plan for destroying it. Uh I don't have a plan for destroying it, but I was hoping to sort of mend the bridges that I am actively burning by getting oh, okay. the axe back to Wildman, kind of behind the scenes meta narrative. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, I love that. Yes, absolutely. Then I absolutely love it. Uh Chops was supposed to just take the axe and like run off with it, but like I think so I think what has happened is uh backstage Tex is like Hero needs a weapon. Icarus is gonna do great with that axe. Oh, <laughs> real hero, real heroes move. And uh, yeah, the two of you are scrapping, and uh, suddenly we hear from backstage. We hear from backstage. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Please, everyone, and the crowd just starts booing as we hear this Boo. very like elevator music starts playing. Like as uh, a man in a sleeveless suit, like an ill-fitting huh. sleeveless suit, mm-hmm. carrying a staple gun and a pad of papers with very thick, horn-rimmed glasses, bald, burly-looking, in this, like, sweat-stained suit, comes, like, stumbling to the ring, like, I'm sorry, no, no, excuse, no, no cut, cut the music, sorry, no, cut the music, this is a, this is a citation, I'm sorry, this is a citation. I'm sorry, uh, no, 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 that's a violation of the rules right there, that's, and the crowd is, like, booing, because this is the, this is the arrival of hard-rocking HR rep. (laughs) IPW's Human Resources Associate. Well, talk about a wet blanket, folks, it looks like we've got our HR rep in the building and shutting things down as usual. Uh, HR rep keeping a tight control of the situation. I appreciate, uh, as a, as a representative of IPW, I appreciate, uh, the commitment to law and order. Now, we got a citation once down at Buford's Barbecue Bin, but that was many years ago, and we have, I assure you, cleaned up all of the infractions that they found at the time. I, I, no, I don't like any part of this, I'm sorry. Grabs Mike. Hello, uh, my name is uh, HR Rep. I am the Human Resources Associate for International Powerhouse Rest. The crowd is booing because he gives this spiel every week. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, Mister uh, Mister Icarus, was it? Um, you were not scripted. You were not uh, booked to be part of this uh, this contest. This is a. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. I'm going to have to write you a citation. This is not. This is not acceptable, especially from somebody that currently holds a number one contender's contract. Ah, and I think Icarus does the, like, throwing up his hands and, like, trying to trying to get the audience involved and just be like, they want, like, you can't tell oh. what Icarus is saying because his mic's not turned on right now, but. <laughs> and the crowd's loving it. They're eating it up. Uh, so like... when I, when I make a big deal of being passed over, I get to roll. Okay. Because I am a fan favorite. Yep, and he's like, right, we're going to have to strip your number one contender's contract. So this could be bad. It yep. is. I got a four. Whoa. <laughs> okay okay what happens on, does it say what happens on a six minus um on a botch you were wrong lose one audience okay <laughs> yep uh so yeah i think like what happens is like 
you start, you mentioned the mic not being on, and I think what happens is you cut a really impassioned promo, and, like, no one hears it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Rep has to, like, get off mic and be like, mic's not on. You gotta flip the switch. Has to, like, go over and, like, flip the switch. <laughs> and the yeah. audience is just like, okay, I didn't hear any of that. Oh, no, no, I have a better idea that just please, hit me. Please. As soon as it, like, flips on, I'm talking about the, the, um, the shenanigans of Wildman and Chops and the Frontiersman. Um, but the audience thinks I'm talking about them because my mic switches on and all they hear is a bunch of sweaty, ungrateful. Yes. Oh, no. And I realized that that's what happened, and the it's just quiet in the yep. gymnasium. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I think this is going to have to just be a citation. I, well, I suppose there's a possibility if you were to defend your number one contender's contract tonight against Icarus, looks shocked against Dutch. The throwback Reynolds <gasps> and like a picture, a black and white photo of a dude in like a suit, you know, adjusting his cufflinks of like, hmm. He looks just like he just look. It's he looks like a throwback. He looks like just the most old school wrestling photo. Oh, good. Yes. Uh, well, I will be happy to fill out the paperwork and have this match tonight in our main event. And the crowd is pretty hyped. <laughs> Icarus. Axe in one hand, the other blank, tosses the axe at Wild's man feet and determinedly strides over to the HR rep and sticks his hand out for a shake and says, you've got it. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, unfortunately, uh, yeah, I'm not, I don't really, I don't have hand sanitizer. And the crowd's booing the hand, the lack of a handshake. <laughs> Boo! Boo! Well, if if you hold, if you could, someone could take this to the ring. To the ring, I happen to have some wet wipes uh, just in in my pocket. Oh, they're already open. Uh, oh, oh, the, oh! It's it's really, really the wet nap is just every. How did? How are they so wet? <laughs> how are they the most wet? As he's. Uh, and that's the end of our segment. Um, yeah. Next up, uh, I want to ask. So we have another promo. Are you ready, IPW audience, for our next match? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> got nowhere else to be. Arp, why don't you introduce us to your wrestler and tell us, like, tell us about their promo. But first, we cut to a last week package. Why don't you tell us what happened to, the, to your character last week? Describe what they look like. Give us their intro and tell us what happened last week. Uh, so the Rexecutioner, hailing from Hell, California, is uh, an anti-hero wrestler, and he has a very bad costume. He's wearing a hard hat like you would get from any, you know, uh, surplus store. Underneath that, he's got on an executioner's hood with, like, the eyes cut out. Uh, He's also got the one custom item is a uh, safety vest, reflective safety vest, but it's been done up to have a skull and crossbones in the uh, reflective tape. Beyond that, he's also wearing uh, short shorts, of course, because he's a wrestler. And sure. he is carrying a, uh, a jackhammer, but with a scythe sticking out of it instead of the regular drill shank. And last week, uh, we see him in the ring. He is battling with uh, another wrestler and uh, appears to be appears that he has the upper hand. He's fighting the poet of punishment, Billy Yeats. And they are going back and forth and back and forth, doing signature moves at each other. 
the crowd of four or five people is actually enjoying the match. Uh, and then from nowhere, uh, Tommy Scrimshaw, the new guy, leaps into the ring. He is Billy Yeats' tag partner from the Yeat Beat Agents. Leaps mm-hmm. into the ring with a folding chair and smashes the executioner in the back of the head with it. And he goes down and loses the match. He's furiously yelling and shouting and swearing vengeance on them. So, uh, tell me what, give me your, give me your, where, where is your pre-recorded promo set? And tell me what you're going to say to the beat agents as they, as, as they get ready for, for, as you get ready for battle. And then they will have their response promo. Okay. Uh, so he is in a graveyard that is clearly a set. Uh, like it's been set up, it's Halloween decoration headstones and stuff that have been set up around an active construction site in the middle of the night, uh, clearly illegally. So he's he's trying to get, he's still trying to make his ill-advised look work. And so he's there, he's got his foot up on one of the headstones and it's wobbling slightly. He's clearly trying to keep his balance, uh, making it look like he's resting his leg on the tombstone, which he can't because it would break. And he's got his jackhammer, and he says to the camera, Yeet beat agents, I hope you're ready to get a yeet beat down from the executioner, because when I meet you again in the ring, the only thing I'm going to be constructing is a guillotine, which I will use to chop off your heads. I roll, did I roll that with look? Yes, roll me, roll me, yes, roll that plus look. All right, let's give it a roll. Okay, I got 11 on that. Okay, on an 11, uh, what happens on an 11? Let me pull that up. On a 10 plus, you connect with the audience. Gain one momentum and pick one item from the 7 to 9 list. You can make, you can get booked into a match, uh, add a stipulation to a relevant match, gain one more momentum or gain plus one heat with the subject of your promo, the heat beat agents. Okay, I, I would like to put a stipulation on the match that it has to be a construction match where while you are wrestling, you also have to build a guillotine in the ring. Okay. The first person to complete building the guillotine gets to, you know, there's no blade obviously, but there's a a finisher move associated with that. So like the ring has construction materials scattered around it. That's so good. That is good. Neil, what was the name of your commentator person? Uh, that was Chuck Manwich. Okay. Now, Chuck, it looks like we might have the deadliest match yet, as it looks like the Yeet Beat agents go up against the Rexecutioner in a guillotine match. Uh, unheard of in IPW. A guillotine match will require our opponents to construct a literal guillotine in the ring and put their opponent headfirst in the guillotine, theoretically ending their life, if I am to understand what the purpose of a guillotine correctly. Um, Does anyone have a strange craving for cake? You know that <laughs> but you would be correct um, in medieval times a guillotine was used to behead people um, as mentioned previously. Also I, I don't see any plans for the construction um, to be safe. I'll draft these up real quick for them and I'll, I'll, I'll take that out too. them it'll be it'll be a lot of fun out here. I'm sure. I, I really like this commentary teams. <laughs> now, I, uh, I don't have much of a craving for cake, but we do offer meatloaf on Tuesdays down at Buford's Barbecue Bin. And that's kind of like a cake made out of meat. Uh, 
a pre-recorded promo starts, a curtain opens, and uh, wearing a tuxedo, the new guy, Tommy Scrimshaw, gestures his hand and says, A haiku by the Poet of Punishment. Oh no. Billy Yeats. <laughs> Ahem. Rexecutioner. Your head shall dance on canvas. Yeet beat agents. Go. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Did you hear that? That was art. And you know what else is going to be art, Mr. Rexecutioner? When the yeet beat agents break you, build that guillotine in the ring and end your career. Because there is one of you and there is two of us. Even someone as blue collar as you and the crowd does not appreciate getting called out for being blue collar (laughs) even someone as blue collar as you can understand simple addition two beats one every time confident words from the yeet beat agents let's see if they can put it into action and they are they are correct often two is greater than one um, but we will see if this one is indeed greater. Uh, Rexecutioner, what does your entrance look like? The ring is full of boxes and like big stage blades, and like there are ring crew ring crew members like bra- wheeling in boxes on dollies, and it's really just kind of a mess. <laughs> it's very dangerous. It's a fire hazard for sure. Yep. For sure. Uh, so the lights remain on because it take it took twenty minutes to get them back on after mm-hmm. after yep. the wild man's entrance. <laughs> <laughs> the the gym doors open up like they've got big garage doors that open up to the outside so the kids can go out and run around during the day. And uh, a crane truck trundles in with its crane down, and it's sounding like it's it's wheezing and the engine doesn't sound very good. This is obviously a very very second third or even fifth hand crane truck and uh, as it comes into the gym the crane extends upwards slightly then squeaks and sort of stops moving and dangling from the end of the crane is the executioner he's got his arms crossed over his chest and uh he's uh trying to continue looking fearsome as the crane very very slowly makes its way over to the ring. Love it. Absolutely love it. Um, so as you as you, you make your entrance, you get to the ring, uh, all the boxes are dropped off, all the lights have just turned back on, it took about, you know, it took forever, they all turn right back off. <laughs> <laughs> A single spotlight hits Tommy Scrimshaw, now wearing the most elaborate, like, Paleochi clown costume. So the ruffled (laughs) collar, the single black tear, and it's just like, now our masterpiece. The tragedy, well, I suppose the comedy of the death of the executioner. And, uh, Scrimshaw and Yeats, like, Yeats is now dressed entirely like William Shakespeare. It's worth pointing out, like the coat and tails, also the collar, 
Well, does he have a balding wig on, or is he already balding in the manner? I think he's already balding. Okay. I think he was already balding. Good, good. Because I think he's, like, older than a lot of the other wrestlers here. <laughs> this is this gimmick is his way of covering up the fact that he doesn't really wrestle anymore. <laughs> or, like, he can't go as hard as he did. And so, like, they come out, and the crowd is just throwing trash. So it is, it is two-on-one, unless you have a tag team partner. Can I... What was the move that I... That someone would use to like join uh there's an interrupt move i believe right yeah i was up. just gonna say i want to see a tag team between the the yeet beats and the two heels so what i'm thinking yes. is that the crane truck in the, the windows are kind of blacked out because you typically don't want the crowd to just see like random grip three in mm-hmm. the in the seat and especially not on camera. But instead, mm-hmm. it's actually Wild Man that's driving. So I was gonna wait until it seemed like the um why did it seemed like the executioner was probably not gonna win and jump out and then help him because I'm se- yeah, seven right. foot five monster. So so. I think what happens is, so I think what happens is you're going to spend one momentum, um, and I'm going to ask you for, uh, what do I want to, okay, the, what, yeah, I think what I'm going to ask you for is specifically a, uh, we'll call this an interrupt, and we'll give you one, we'll give you one heat. Because I think what happens is they immediately just double team their executioner and start beating him just the hell out of him, right? Yeah, he And the crowd he is booing off of the crane and sort of stumbles a little bit because uh, the wild man doesn't know how to drive a crane, I assume. No, no, no. no. So, so he Real to, bad choice. He has to sort of get himself off the hook at the end of the crane and his feet are sort of dangling and kicking a little bit as he's trying to like pull himself <laughs> up with pure upper body strength to get the hook off mm-hmm. of his safety vest. And as he's doing that, the uh, Yeet Beat agents run over and like grab him pull him up off the hook and like slam him to the ground, kicking him and stuff. It's not, it's not very sporting. The audience isn't super into it. And then, uh, so describe you making your entry or describe you running in, but don't make the run and move roll plus power to do a feat of strength. So I got a nine on the power roll because I know what Mm -hmm. I want to do. All right. And I know how I want it to be too excessive. I'm going to kick the door open on this far too old to survive a kick to the door um, crane. And I think it's actually going to fall off and then I'm going to get out and then run in. And uh, uh, I'm going to I get. So what happens is you gain one momentum because you're doing a feat of strength. You demonstrate your extraordinary strength, uh, gain one momentum, but it's an obvious effort. So I'm going to say you've put yourself at risk of injury because like the crane is sort of just going now. Like, it's just kind of spinning around, and, like, everyone is kind of in danger. So, like, if anything goes wrong, someone is going to be hurt in this match. Tex is backstage like, this is real. This is so real. Oh, <laughs> Vincent Kennedy McMahon be damned. We're making the realest wrestling on TV. <laughs> oh, so I like the idea of it, the crane moving back and forth in the ring yep. so it's this constant obstacle. like it's just like around the ring like it's it's there's just like the crane the hook is just swinging or over the <laughs> ring and you're periodically like having to like run the ropes but then like duck down it's real it's so absurdly dangerous <laughs> <laughs> 
uh, Magna Mango here and remind our listeners to not try this at home. So, um, uh, Wild Man, or actually, Executioner, you're able to recover. Why don't you start the match? Okay. Uh, the Executioner, in all this confusion, he's able to roll out from the kicks, and he stands up and he gives the Wild Man, like, a firm nod. Mm-hmm. He gives the Wild Man... Okay, the dog is barking out of their dogs. That's okay. That's me, the Wild Man. <sighs> so he gives him, like, a firm nod and, like, clenches a fist and, like, gives him one of those looks like, yeah, together. And he attempts to grab both of the Yeet Beat agents and sort of slam their heads together while they're distracted by the mm-hmm. chaos and not expecting him to get up. And just, like, once that's done, throw them in opposite directions or shove them in opposite directions towards the ropes on either side. Give himself some breathing room so he can actually get to his feet and be like, You cowards! You thought that you could just take me on like that? And, like, you thought that this would be the honorable way of doing it? And uh, he looks over at the commentators as well, and he's saying... Three of you gotta remember as well. We're wrestling here. This isn't just some kind of crazy beatdown. We have rules. And he picks up a piece of rebar, but rules are meant to be broken. Oh, you're picking up you're picking up a weapon. You're making this hard to core. So you're going to roll. Where is my hardcore rules? You're so you're you're trying to you're trying to draw blood use rep, weapon or revel in violence. You're gonna roll the hardcore move. I could also roll. Plus real. I could also roll one of my moves, which oh, is please. rules. What rules? When, Damn. When you good, break good move. <laughs> when you break the rules in a match, roll plus look. On a ten plus, you get away with it. Book the finish of the match on the fly. On a seven and nine, pick one, and there's some options there. All right. Give me give me that roll. Give me roll plus look. Okay. Uh, I got a seven on that. All right. So pick uh, one of your seven to nine options. I get away with it, and I gain plus one momentum. Okay. So describe to me what that looks like. So with the rebar in hand, the executioner first uh, he looks over to Wild Man and tosses the rebar to him, and then reaches down and picks up a uh, a box. It's a wooden box, and he brings that over, and he sort of puts it... He doesn't sort of do this. He puts it right over the head of Billy Yeats so that he can't see, and then starts just, like, working him with punches, like, body body blows while he's blinded by this box being over his head. All right. Give me... Um, I'm going to call that wrestling. I'll probably call this plus... Uh... This is probably plus look. This is probably, like, this is character stuff. Okay. That's another seven. All right. Do you want to retain control or hand off control to the beat agents? Uh, I think... I think I want to retain control right now. Okay. Because we've we've kind of thrown them into confusion, both with the appearance of the wild man and this uh, sudden rule breaking. So he'll, like, take the, uh, I keep forgetting his name, Billy, the poet of punishment, and says, you want to know about punishment? I'm going to show you. 
<laughs> I'm going to show you how we punish people where I come from, which is the streets, he clarifies. Thank you for, clar- Thank you for the clarification. <laughs> uh, turns to uh, send him flying towards uh, Tommy Scrimshaw, the new guy, box head first, attempting to knock them both down. Uh, I think I'm going to, and I'm going to real quick, as you're getting ready to do, to, to, to keep things, I am going to give you a difficult decision to make. All right. Because you've rolled a few sevens in a row. I'm going to make a soft move and give you a difficult decision. You can keep, you can take, you can take them to the streets, right? You can beat, you can show them where you come from, which is the streets. Mm-hmm. However, uh, as you're doing that to Billy, uh, Scrimshaw, like you can, you can beat down one of them street style, but the other is going to get an opportunity to put together this guillotine. Okay, absolutely, yeah. Or you can, or like, or you can change your tactics. Is that are you all right with that? I am perfectly fine with that because the executioner, he's he's in the midst of his rule breaking frenzy. Yeah. Okay. He, he's really he's really annoyed because this match was not supposed to start in such a humiliating way for him. So he's legitimately angry. Okay, great. So tell me what, so, so tell me what happens next as you beat down your opponent while the other one sets up this guillotine. All right. So he's knocked them both over and he goes and he, he yanks up Billy again and the box falls off and he's, he lifts Billy up into the air and he starts spinning him around and like, he's holding him right up above him, like on top of him, like a bench press style. There's a name for this move that I don't remember. And, uh, he's, Playing to the audience, being like, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm going to show him. He wants to be about Shakespeare. I'm going to show him how to shake fear. And, uh... <laughs> and as that's happening, Tommy is sort of crawling around behind and starts setting up the Gilly team. So uh, that sounds like you're either using work or power to wrestle. So go ahead and roll that move. Choose whichever one you prefer. And while that's happening, Wildman, what are you doing? I tr- I'm trying to focus on what the executioner wants. So my thought would be that he would attempt to throw. I forget who does he have above him. Billy. He's got, he's got Yeats. He's got Billy. Yeats. Okay, that's what I thought. Uh, so he's gonna. I was thinking that we've set up some kind of move where you're gonna throw Billy to me, and I'll essentially kind of catch and slam him on the outside of the ring. So like I'm completely disregarding the fact that the other guillotine is being created, and just okay. like trying to trying to set myself up perfectly to complete this move that might go very poorly. Well, then what I'm gonna say is, uh, yeah. So, uh, executioner, make that wrestling move with power or work. Wildman, make a wrestling move with heat. And we'll resolve these both at the same time. I rolled a five. Great. I love it. And then it would be the heat that I have with the executioner, correct? Yeah. So I got a seven. Okay. Uh, on a seven and nine, do you want to retain control of the match? Or do you want to hand it off to your opponents? Uh, I will say, because I said this was really dangerous, uh, executioner mark injury. Will do. Tell me what goes horribly wrong. In this weirdly dangerous match. So as I am spinning Billy around uh, over my head, the the ravages of age start to make themselves clear. And Billy, part of his Shakespeare costume, also falls off. So this is a confluence of horrible events all happening at once. 
So the executioner's sort of bad back acts up. This scarf thing, this silky scarf thing falls down and gets over his face. His face is already <laughs> covered, but this covers his eyes, the part of his face that is supposed to be not covered. So he can't see. He stumbles, wrenching his back, and falls backwards onto a pile of construction materials. And there's like, there's some bad sounds. Billy goes flying in the opposite direction that he was supposed to, and the executioner is uh, is is down on top of this pile of sharp objects. Yeah, and uh, so mark injury and tell me what happens when you mark injury. Something special happens every time a character gets hurt. It differs bearing on your gimmick. Your gimmick is the anti-hero. So tell me what happens uh, when you get injured. Check an injury box and note who did it. Uh, while injured, you can interfere in any of their matches without creative's approval or consent, and they gain plus one momentum when you do so. Okay. So, okay. Then, yeah. Mark an injury. Um, Wildman, uh, are you maintaining control, or are you handing it off to your opponents? I think I'm gonna. it's going to hand off to the opponents, because I see okay. it going very south, and essentially use all of my strength and what little speed I have to make sure that Billy doesn't get severe, severely hurt yeah. as well, because there's nothing I can do, unfortunately for the executioner because he's okay. still in the ring. So I think what happens is like, you're scrambling to take care of everything and uh Yeats tumbles to the ground, but like recognizing, but like, uh, I think the ref is, is distracted checking on their executioner, making sure you're not dead. Uh-huh. Uh, which means that, uh, Yeats screams to hell with your plums and hits you with a big uppercut style low blow. Oh. And walks around just saying, ha ha ha, so cold, so sweet. <laughs> you take a low blow and you're just, you drop to your knees, you're clutching, you're, ah! And that gives, uh, Scrimshaw the opportunity to grab you, slam you head first. Into the guillotine. Oh, no. Rexecutioner, you see this. What do you do? Oh, no. So they've got Wild Man into the guillotine. Uh, the Rexecutioner, groaning, rolls over and forces himself to his hands and knees. And he says, I'm not done yet. And uh, is able to sort of stand up and stumbles towards the guillotine, attempting to break the arms of it before... The uh, fake blade can come down. I'm going to ask for a hot tag. This seems like the big moment. This seems like the big moment to save your partner. This yeah. feels like this match's version of a hot tag. Okay. So roll your plus your heat with the wild man. And while you do that, tell me about your backstage relationship with the wild man. Okay. Uh, so the wild man is, we have a reluctant alliance because we're the two, I guess, big name heels in this promotion. We had a rocky start to our relationship because the executioner had to break the rules a little bit in a match to beat up Wild Man Bill to sort of get everybody on his side and show off that he was like a real contender. But since then, the two have, I think they get along decently well off screen, like in their real lives and, yeah. and backstage. They, they have a, a respect for each other. Right. Wild Bill sort of uh, wishes that he could care as little as the executioner does about what creative and management think, whereas the executioner has a great deal of respect for 
like wild man's strength and his ability to work and his ability to be like such a professional about it. Okay. I was going to say my, oh, my, my favorite thought is the idea that you're in, we're clearly not making a ton of money and that you are actually someone who works in construction and that you got <laughs> me a job. And so then off screen, we essentially just kind of work together yeah. like, on both our wrestling and just making money as construction workers. I love it. Uh, give me, give me, roll me plus heat with the wild man. Okay. Uh, 11. Nice. 11 on a, on a 10 plus the tag is made. Describe to you if brilliantly dismantled. I'm not even going to say you dismantle it. I'm going to say you manage to like position it so that Scrimshaw's head is in the Scrimshaw's head is in the uh, is in the guillotine, and then I'm going to ask you to roll the finish. Okay. No, Yeats's head is in the, Yeats's head. I'm going to say that you you reposition it. Describe how it happens, but you reposition it so that Yeats's head is in the guillotine, and then. Pull the ripcord and finish the match. Okay. So, uh, first off, I give the guillotine a big kick, and that pushes it away and means that Wild Man falls out of it. And I, when I kick it, I am also reaching over to get that rebar that I originally passed the Wild Man. And with a... It's not actually a feat of strength, because this isn't actually real rebar. It's like that foam stuff. But it looks really impressive as I bend it into like a hook shape and turn and hook it around Billy and drag him forward onto the guillotine and yank that cable to bring down. Uh, it's not a blade. It's actually just like a foam leg. So it looks like it's doing a leg drop. Mm -hmm. But it, I have a really good idea for like how this might be televised. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is that like it would it would show us all of this and then as soon as you pull that ripcord it we get like a camera of like the top of the guillotine and then it would cut to commercial yeah for sure <laughs> exactly how it plays out but in the meantime roll us your finisher which is a flat 2d6 roll plus any momentum that you want to spend on okay oh boy no how much momentum do you have at the moment taking into account that you got one extra momentum for your successful hot tag uh, that's four, then. All right. What'd you roll? Uh, I rolled a three. Okay. So you could get it to a seven. I could get it to a seven by spending all of my momentum. Um, I would rather have this be a botch. Okay. I think that is a much more interesting beat for me and my character. Uh, so it's it? on a botch, choose. Either I lose audience or get the win, or I'm screwed out of victory by an authority figure. And I want to get screwed out of my victory by an authority figure. Okay, for sure. Uh, you pull the ripcord, the thing drops, it cuts to, comer it cuts to black, like, and it starts to go to a commercial. And then like it comes back like a moment later. Only because, like, or rather, like, a commercial or two plays, and then we're back in the ring, and, like, Yeats is fine. Everyone, because HR rep is back in the ring, like, no, 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 yeah. no, 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 <laughs> oh, no, 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 none of this was approved. I don't know where you, you have filled out none of the paperwork to, like, make this match official. So, uh, no, 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 shut this down. The, yeah, 
There is a crane spin. This is not safe. No part of this is safe. Safety is for losers. This is wrestling. Yeah, safety is the only thing that separates this from a backyard brawl. Boo! Executioner just goes right up into HR's face and goes, Boo! As well, along with the audience. Uh, give me a, yeah, so what is the, what is the wild man doing? Uh, I think in the, the time that it's taken to like cut to commercial and come back, like somehow I figured out to make the crane stop moving around. Yeah. But I want to be right there behind HR rep, tap on his mm-hmm. shoulder, grab the notepad, and throw it into the crowd. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> um, what do I want to call that? I want to give make call that a move. Does that work the audience? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Roll me plus audience. You're pumping up. You're getting the audience excited. <gasps> I got a 10. In fact, nice. I might call this. I might call this something else in addition. On a 10 plus, you've got them on their side. Get two momentum. Whoa. All right. Audience loves it they might not like you wild man but they hate hr (laughs) so yeah you shove you throw it uh like hr rep is flustered and like gets shouted down by the crowd you all head to the back and we gear up for our main event so you're both so we have a quick backstage segment we have two quick backstage segments first we see the two of you staggering backstage and then we just see from the neck down that vintage suit. And we hear uh, Dutch the throwback Reynolds just say, Gentlemen, got a proposition for you. Then we cut. Then we cut back to earlier that day, a confrontation. This is going to be a promo roll from Taylor. But we have a confrontation between Icarus and Dutch Dutch Reynolds from while the... I'm going to say while the... Uh, while the guillotine match is happening, there's a confrontation between Reynolds and Icarus. It's we like get a like picture the, picture thing. We get like the muffled um, like sounds outside of the stadium yeah. as like the things happen. Yep. Icarus, just the man I wanted to see. Dutch, how can I help you today? You see, I fascinating thing. Uh, that uh, boyfriend, your Sonny really needs to be more careful about where he leaves his backpack. I dare say. You see, I found uh, something most interesting. He pulls out a small box. Oh. Seems nice. Honestly, I don't know if you... Do you want me to open it? Do you want to see what's inside this box? Would this box be, like, covered in velvet? Oh, for sure. It's real gaudy looking. Oh, no. He starts to open it. What do you do? Uh, Icarus. I don't think Icarus is very smart. I think he just bats it out of Dutch's hands. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you bat it. He kind of stops for a second. He's like, um, oh, he seems you're not terribly attached to this box or whatever's inside. So perhaps I'll keep it. Unless, perha- How- unless you can beat me. You'll keep your number one contender's contract. Sonny will get whatever's in this box. And who knows? Maybe he'll gift it to someone special in his life. It's really up to you. If you can beat me. 
Spoiler alert. You can't be. Let's make a deal. I beat you, and you leave Sonny out of this. Fair deal. I'll, I'll buy that. Meet me in the ring. And then Icarus just, like, turns and walks away, just, like, into the parking lot. Uh-huh. Yep. Um, rolling plus look? Roll me plus look. Is this my promo roll? Yes. Ooh, I got a nine. Can I use momentum on this? You sure can. I would love to turn that into a ten. Uh, you get your momentum back and pick one from the seven and nine list. Hell so yeah. it's fine. <laughs> uh, I would love to make a stipulation for this role. I love for that this, all of these matches match. have had stipulations. And I'm also <laughs> going to add a stipulation to this match. Um, hold off, because I've got a great stipulation right. that might just blow your mind. I'm listening. Um, so, I, I would like to cut to the actual match now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, We've made our entrances, like, you're in the ring, Icarus is here, Dutch is here. Oh, Sonny. I want to do Icarus's entrance. Oh, please. Okay, then yeah, do, give, me, give me Icarus's entrance. It's a dark middle school gymnasium. Everything is black. The crowd is silent. And a, a quiet piano starts to play. Just soft chords going. And a singer starts singing about dreams of angels. And dreams of boys. And dreams of men. And then the drums come in. Uh, and the piano starts getting more and more frantic, more and more frantic. This singer is singing about dancing on stairs and in castles and just uh, <laughs> the, like the, there's a disco ball that like lowers and like lights are flashing and spinning around. Um, and then in from the parking lot busts Icarus, mm -hmm. uh, just angrier than anyone has ever seen and just does like double hand back springs down the, the, the gymnasium's bleachers. Real good. <laughs> um, and then, uh, does a, a like flying 360 Tony Hawk style flip around to like jump over the ropes and into the ring. Um, and then, sh uh, like does a power stance and points up to the, the, announcer's box where dutch is waiting and just says dutch you're playing on my turf now and he jumps straight up and does like a double backflip as a bunch of pas mm -hmm. pull like um like that that magic trick with like a dining room table in the yep. sheet <laughs> pull that sheet out from over the top of the 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 ring and we see that people during the commercial break um, the pas have filled that like ring side with just a bunch of fans pointed straight up <laughs> and they they turn those fans on, and Icarus just, f like, spreads his arms and legs out and starts to fly in the center oh, of the ring. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's beautiful. right. This stipulation is a no-gravity match. <gasps> it's beautiful. It's so beautiful. Uh, Dutch stands up. Uh, he is wearing a robe because it's old school. He takes off the robe. He slides it off and says... We'll play by your rules. It's a little bit modern for me, but we'll play by your rules. Provided you play by my rules. Boys? And he snaps his fingers, and out from the audience comes Rexecutioner and the Wild Man. Yeah. Oh, This fuck. is a three-on-one no-gravity match. Oh. <laughs> Icarus, like, falters, but stays flying. <laughs> uh, the match begins. This is our main event is a three-on-one handicap, no-gravity match to determine the number one contender for the vacated. Vacated, because as we saw last time on IPW, we get to, we cut to a last time on. Randall Phoenix 
former IPW champion, injured. Because he's really, he was like big in like 67, and now he's like in his 70s, and so like (laughs) any kind of wrestling is like dangerous for him. But he still keeps it going, and I love him for it. Randall Phoenix, injured, vacated the title. The number one contender will face Shanks Doyle, the Appalachian murder machine. For the, the for the vacated title. Now I'm not too familiar with this three on one type of match, but we do have a good three for one deal available on Saturdays down at Buford's <laughs> Barbecue Bin, and uh, I think that this group of individuals might really appreciate it. At least whichever ones come out on top, uh, seeing as they'll be able to get get a whole lot of meat for a whole little dollars. Yeah. So uh, I think. I think at the start of the match, um, does Rexecutioner or Wildman want control? Because Icarus is caught off guard. Hmm. Uh, I think Wildman should have control. Yeah, that's All what right. I was thinking. Wildman, tell me what tell me what happens. And remember, this is zero gravity, so you can be on the ground, in the air, or anywhere you desire. <laughs> oh, it's so <laughs> within this like twenty by twenty square. Yeah. <laughs> if you get yeah. outside of that, you fall, and like it's gonna be real dangerous. I think while I think while Icarus is distracted, Wildman will just run, let out this wolf-like call, just oh, and jump in and fly straight at Icarus. The audience responds with like, "Kaka, kaka, kaka." All right, yeah. Roll me, roll me, uh, roll me. What your wrestling move? Choose whichever stat you think is the best. So I was thinking I'm trying to make it look good, so I'm going to go with look, and so I'll get an eight. All right. On an eight, uh, do you keep control or do you hand it off to Icarus? Uh, I'll go ahead and hand it off. All right. Take a momentum. Uh, Icarus, who are you going after? What's your your plan? How do you counter Wildman's attack and what does your next attack look like? Oh, so here's a good thing about Icarus is that he has been uh, a practiced skydiver, um, and good. so he he knows that uh, when you're you're facing a buffet of wind, if you spread out, uh, it slows you down. And he's thinking, okay, if this wind is going upwards, if I spread out, and he just spreads full fl- uh, full spread eagle and just raises up in the air so that Wildman just dashes through empty space. Love it, uh, absolutely adore it. And then, like the peregrine falcon. Uh, he narrows his body and tries to like headbutt spear um, the executioner as All the right. executioner is climbing into the ring. Give me plus move on your. I wrestling. would love to. Or plus work rather. Uh, so that is another fourteen. <laughs> <laughs> because my you, work is plus three. <laughs> you hit it great. Uh, retain control. Tell me how that looks. And either get two momentum or one heat with the execution. Uh, so what happens when you hit four heat again? Uh, when you hit four heat with someone, like it caps out, but you gain one audience. Okay, I'm gonna do that because now I have four heat with both of the wrestlers okay. in this ring. Yeah. So gain gain another. So don't forget to gain another audience for being in the ring, which may in fact put you at four audience, which means that I am, like yeah, which means that like this is going to be your crowning moment. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> um yeah i oh i get to mark an advancement mm-hmm. yeah oh um uh, do i get to just choose one of those now yeah pick it now 
I'm going to create a custom move for my character. Okay. Which is um, when you... Oh, good. When you embody the spirit of ancient Greece, uh, roll plus work, and then I think I'm going to leave it up to the creative to tell me what happens when I do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so I think like we hear over this, the PA system, the, the screech of a hawk as I spear executioner. Yep. Oh, oh, bad. Uh, so I rolled a four. My plus work is makes that a seven. Okay. Um, so I think, uh, on a seven to nine, I think that you, I think that on a seven to nine, the theatrics, uh, like the Grecian theatrics cover the fact that cover the fact that something goes wrong yeah so you get a momentum you give up control of the match and you can either mark injury or lose an audience as something goes way wrong hmm i'm gonna mark injury okay so when i get injured i check two injury boxes so i'm checking those now when injured, anytime an opponent uses my injury against me to gain an advantage, they gain plus one momentum and I gain plus one heat. I might have a suggestion for what this injury looks like if you're not already have your yeah. mind set. Go for it. So uh, the executioner is he's at this point standing on the edge of the ring like he's climbed up on the posts mm-hmm. when you come down to your spear. But. The angle is not quite right, so like it's supposed to slam into uh, the executioner. The executioner falls. There's a table behind him that breaks and breaks his fall, right? Mm-hmm. But instead, because the angle's wrong, you sort of crash into each other, and like the executioner wraps his arms around you in confusion, and you end up spinning so that you land on the ground with the executioner on top of you. Oh, good. Love it. Nice. Well, it looks like they're going at it real marmot style, folks. <laughs> I don't like it. I don't. <laughs> I know I made up that name and character, but I don't like it. <laughs> um, okay, Rexecu- um, well, you, you retain control of the match and gain a momentum. So, Icarus, tell me how you recover and tell me how you take on a uh, executioner outside the ring. Uh, I think I, I recover um, by, like, uh, I grab onto the rope and then... As the executioner like comes up holding onto my legs, um, I I do like a quick shoulder twist mm-hmm. and I slip my I slip my legs out of his grasp and he goes flying up in the wind. Mm, um, I love it. And then I like slingshot myself uh, with the ropes up towards both of them. Oh, for sure. Give me give me a look for that. Oh, good. Uh, and I think I think the detail that I want to add as this is happening is like is like um. I'm going to say, cut to an obvious, we cut periodically to an obviously staged shot of like, of like a premium box seat, despite <laughs> yeah. the fact that we're clearly in a gymnasium, <laughs> and Sonny is there just like biting his nails like, oh no, <sighs> no, <sighs> no, no. <sighs> get him, um, so get him. <laughs> how, how else besides, uh, besides the momentum or the audience do I gain an advance? Um, I think that's the only way, because I think it goes back to, I think it goes back to, forget. Well, the executioner is flying up into the air. You can see there's a clearly concerned look on his face as he's being <laughs> like, are you okay? <laughs> flying up into the air. 
Because that was not supposed to happen. Yeah. Because there's an, there's an advancement that I am just now seeing that I think would be really cool narratively. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if I can hit it again. Uh, what is it? Uh, it's gain a manager, a valet, or an enforcer, and I really want Sonny to just step I think, in. I think that might just happen, is the thing. Like, that <laughs> might just be given to you. Because you're, well, because you get a stipulation, like, by being plus four, like, you can basically just, I think, say that. And, like, I, at the end of the episode, well, okay. I'll, let's play out the map, uh, let's play out the rest of the match, because I, I know what's going to happen, and that'll come up. Okay. Awesome. So, yeah, uh, uh, you go flying. What did you roll in your work roll? My look roll, uh, or, or was work, it look right. or was it, was it work? work? Yeah. Uh, so I got an eight on my work okay. roll. Okay. Do you uh, hand off control to Rexecutioner or uh, keep or keep control of the match? Um. You hand it off. I'll, I'll say this. If you hand it off, you get one momentum. And you, because you're at four audience and this is your crowning moment, are booked to finish this match. You are going I'm gonna do to that. win. Yep. So you're going to need that momentum. I'm, Yeah. All right, so I've got four momentum now. Executioner, tell me what happens. Tell me how you beat down Icarus before he makes his triumphant return and finishes the match. All right, so as we know, the Executioner is pretty jealous of Icarus and uh, has been trying to get in on this whole high flyer type moves very poorly. Mm-hmm. Yep. So the Executioner just steals that move that Icarus just did. <laughs> nice. Oh, I love it. I love it so much. Now Icarus is getting back up into the ring, and it's the exact same setup, the same angles yep. and everything. And the executioner is thinking to himself, I'm going to show this audience how this move is really done. So he okay. spins around, and he pushes himself to do this flying spear down towards Icarus with this look on his face like, you know how this move works. Let's show the audience. All right. Uh, I'm going to call this, we're going to call this a modified version of Feet of Strength. Mm-hmm. Using work instead of power. Okay. So roll me plus power. Roll me plus work. Okay. Okay, I got a five, but I kind of want to spend some momentum on that. Spend it, yeah. Feel free. All right. Uh, I'll spend two momentum to bring me up to a seven. Okay. So it's an obvious effort. You get one momentum. Uh, and uh, Icarus, tell me what happens. Do they do it with obvious difficulty and the audience notices? Do they put you at the risk of injury, or do they put themselves at the risk of injury? I have a random question that may change that. Is it possible for me to spend momentum in this scenario? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Well, you can spend momentum, or you can instantly bump it to a 10 if if, uh, Manwich suddenly becomes the great. If Manwich shows what he's made of. Or if any of the commentators, if you want to switch character. Commentary can save this. Oh, you're... I will do it. I will right. manwitch. Will so how do I how do I become the pinnacle of whatever weird dour self manwitch is? <gasps> That's it though. I figured it out. It's the first All time right. he's yeah. actually excited about a match. There's yeah. so much behind, so much heat between all of these people that manwitch throws it aside and he's he pops up from the announcer stand it has the mic in hand he's almost like trying to rip the cord out farther so he can mm-hmm. get closer and he's just like this is the greatest match i've ever seen it's probably wrestling we've not said that yet and i really wanted to and yep. <laughs> it's probably wrestling. this is the, i understand now i get it 
This is why people love to see what they see. This is what wrestling is supposed to be. And it's and he just starts chanting for Icarus. I don't what I don't know if we established whatever it is, but I think he's gonna try and work the crowd up to start mm-hmm. chanting Icarus with him. Icarus. 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 Rexecutioner. Executioner, do you get two momentum or one heat with your opponent? Ooh. Well, let's see. How much heat do you have with Icarus? I've only got two. Okay. Um I guess we'll get a heat with him. All right. People, cool. The people are loving this. All right. All 14 of uh, them. So what <laughs> I'm going to say, looks pitch perfect. Looks pitch perfect. This is the greatest high-flying move you've ever pulled off. You did it. You actually pulled off one of Icarus's moves. Icarus, you are down. One, two, kick out. Dutch. Dutch lands. Dutch lands, arms extended, and is like, Rexecutioner, get out of here. This is my win. Icarus, finish the match for us. So, can I do a face turn? Yeah. (gasps) Okay. Yeah. The Rexecutioner has never felt this way before in his life. He pulled off the high-flying move. He has never actually done it before. And having done it with Icarus's help, because he couldn't have done it on his own, he finally understands the appeal, just like Chuck did as well. And Chuck's excitement is also infectious. Like, the Rexecutioner doesn't give a shit about any of this. This is just a way to get beer money. But this moment is like everything that he has ever heard people say wrestling is supposed to be. And he stands and slaps, uh, oh, crud, what's his name? Chuck? Dutch. Dutch, Dutch the throwback. Yeah, Dutch the throwback. He slaps Dutch the throwback's hand away and he says, if you want to finish this match, you got to do it on the kid's terms. And he picks up Icarus and throws him back into the air so that he's back into the zero gravity. Yeah. You you make your face turn. It's perfect. And yeah, the audience is immediately just like Rexecutioner. It doesn't really fit. It does not work very well. (laughs) It doesn't really fit in the chant. They're trying their best. Icarus, you're in the air. You are flying perfectly. Finish the match. So I'm in the air. I'm flying perfectly. Um, I think, so, uh, answer a question for me. Is Dutch on the ground or is Dutch in the air? Dutch is in the air. You have been thrown in the air after him. Okay. So I think, um, soaring up into the air, uh, Icarus's knee connects with, uh, Dutch's jaw and sends him down, like spiraling down to the, the side of the apron. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as he is stunned and like trying to get up, uh, Icarus uses his finishing move, which is called the Hand of the Gods. Um, <laughs> and so uh, Icarus is going to like turn into like one of those superhero moves, like yeah. with one one knee up, the other is down, and he's like floating in the air. Uh, and he he points an open palm down at Dutch, and like someone in the the stands is like turning a gel light with a hand like yeah, outline yeah, right, cut right, right. on it. 
So there's just like this huge spotlight that looks like someone's hand on Dutch's chest and the rep counts one and Dutch is struggling and the, the hand gets brighter and the light gets brighter. Two. All right. Dutch is, is desperate and frantic right now. And then Icarus looks to that box where Sonny is standing. Roll and me that. then I get to roll, me roll my finisher. finishing move. Uh, so I rolled an eight. I would love okay. to add two points of momentum Do it. on it. Do it. To hit a 10. Yeah. What, what happens on a 10 plus on your finisher? And then I think the ref yells three and the hand just explodes into like a fiery blast of golden light that like Perfect. spins around the stadium. Uh, you look up at the box and it's empty. It is just empty. And for a moment, like three and for a moment, like you're like, wait, what? No, but you were supposed to, you were supposed to see me. And then like the fans shut off and suddenly everyone's just back on the canvas. And, as the, like, no one even sees it, he's just, like, got you in, like, the tightest bear, like, he is not a wrestler, but this is tighter than any bear hug you've ever been in. Yeah, and, and he, like, picks me up off the ground and yeah. we kiss. And, like, you two of you kiss, and he stops, and he looks, and, uh, I think that, I think that Chuck Manwich, now, like, fully into it, tears <laughs> just running down his face, thro- grabs from his robe the ring, throws it, Sonny catches it flawlessly, drops to one knee, pops it open. Icarus, will you be my golden god? Will you marry me? And Icarus stands up and tears in his eyes just say, I flew too close to the sun, but this time I didn't get burned. And they kiss and he like slips the ring on Icarus's finger. And like the crowd is electric, everyone explodes. And then in the corner of the ring, Wildman, do you know what you see? What is it? What's not in Icarus's hand right now? <gasps> What's sitting on the corner of the ring? Yes. This is it. This is your final confrontation. <laughs> oh. is th- So the axe is there. The axe it's, is just there. It's waiting. And it's been switched because I haven't had it for, I haven't had it for yep. all this time. So it's a dull blade. So I understand that. And now that, We've broken ties. I look to Dutch, mm-hmm. and I'm going to go as heel as possible. No one's yeah, looking yeah, at yeah. me. <gasps> There's this loving, amazing embrace in the middle of the ring. I pick up the axe, and I just, like, essentially sideswipe the both of them. And Oh, no! <gasps> and, yeah, and then the, that's it. Like, you sideswipe the both of them. They go down. Uh, I think Mango, like, rushes the ring. Is like, no! What is that? No! No, no! Oh, this is horrible. This is a nightmare. This might be the main event of IPW Fair Fight 2018 at the Reynolds County Farm Fair. Yeah. Yes. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) What is happening? This is chaos. This is madness. This is International Powerhouse Wrestling. This is IPW. Good night, everyone. Music blares, credits roll. That's worldwide wrestling. (laughs) Jeff, can I insert that uh, station tag here before before we cut? Please do. You've been watching UHF 69 Public Access Television, serving Hickenbottom, Runnels, and Callaway Counties. The time is 4.30 a.m. Bing!
<laughs> and that's worldwide wrestling. Oh, so oh, this is so right. good. Yeah. <laughs> it makes me so happy. I love this Holy game. Check sandwich in the best way possible. <laughs> I love it so much. Um gosh, what a good game. Dang. Oh, frick. <laughs> uh, okay, okay, real quick, uh, real quick, everybody. Just give me your social media plugs real quick. Art, hit me with your social media plugs. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Ycaliber or follow the show at Broken Sun RPG. All right. Uh, Taylor? You can find me on Twitter at Leviathan Files. You can find all my games at RiverhouseGames.com or RiverhouseGames.itch.io. And you can find the podcast that I do, Game Closet, on iTunes uh, at the title Game Closet. Uh, Neil? You can find me on Twitter at Jotemoniac. That's Jack of All Trades, Master of None, IAC. And you can find the DMs block at DMS underscore block. Uh, and I am Jeff Stormer. You can find me at Party of One Pod on Twitter. You can find my other show, All My Fantasy Children, at AMFC underscore podcast on Twitter. And uh, you can also find my a third show, Talking Nog, a yearly tradition honoring yeah. a yearly tradition <laughs> at Talking Nogcast. Special thank you to uh, thank you to Nathan Paletta for designing this game. I have a few people to thank because I have a running list of wrestler names and I don't know who came up with which, so I'll just say them all real quick. Thank you to Aaron Catano Saez, Richard Kreutz Landry, Kevin Quare on Twitter, Taylor Labresh, Ed Rue, hey. Thomas Holzerman, uh, Lewis Foot, Thomas Groom, and that's it. Thank you all so much for your wonderful wrestler names. I love them all to death. And, uh, Thank you to Neil Powell, Taylor LaBresh, and Art for playing. This was awesome. And thank you to Professional Wrestling for being my favorite thing in the world. <laughs> and yes. to IPM, for International Podcasting Month, for bringing this together and giving us this opportunity. This is great. Thank you all so much. Well, thank, thank you. you. Can I just do another thank you to Tess, who is at yes. RPG yes. Tests on Twitter, for organizing this whole show? Oh, yes, thank, thank you, Tess, for organizing this and for putting together RPG Cast, which is the most incredible resource for role playing game podcasts in the world. Thank Hell you yeah. all so much. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night.